When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 11, Episode 7, titled Promises Broken. Uh, this is a feedback episode, so Aaron, what do we got for feedback this week? Uh, we, got a, we got a full bag. Uh, before we get to that, I want to say one thing. Um, this close to the end, I don't think I'm really indulging in a lot of comic spoilers. Uh, there's a couple people that were wanting to talk... Uh, you know, like in-game Walking Dead spoilers, comic spoilers versus the show and like how some things are impossible because certain people have lived and certain people have died. But what could it be? And like, I'm just I'm so I'm, I'm I, I have stopped. I stopped reading the comics right at the end of the savior arc. And I feel like it's improved my show experience. So I'm going to continue to like I'm not mad at people sending and, and uh, but the thing is, is, I don't have a lot of context for it also. So like when people are like just talking about the bear, you know, just like the facts of the case. Like, I don't know that they understand the facts correctly or they've remembered the cor- uh, facts correctly. Or if someone's trying to tricky, tr- tricky, tricky, loomy, that's happened before. Mm-hmm. Remember back in season two where people, oh, when yeah. dudes were trying to pass like, Full, like just like leaks of episodes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're just, but they're just fan fiction. Yeah. They're just making this shit up. We just read it and howl with laughter at some of the stuff <laughs> that they suggest. Cause also it's the walking dead. Right. Like, it it, it wasn't anything. exactly like impossible. Even in season two, they they still had a wild hair. Oh, so, we, were, we were baby uh, podcasters back then, too. So, like, I feel like we got tricked sure. by the first couple of those. And then we wised yeah. up and said, you know, we're going to read these with our tongue firmly planted in cheek. Right. And if right. they happen to be and right, it's, it's like, oh, well, I guess that was right. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun. Like, yeah. I, I think yeah. we joked that some of those scripts are written in crayon, you know, <laughs> which doesn't preclude it being real either. There, there yeah. are some Power Rangers writers, I'm pretty sure somewhere in there. That's true. Timon and Pumbaa from, from yeah. the minds that brought you. Uh, so, yeah, I were, were but but there are also towards the end of this episode. Some people who have uber fans of the zombie series, the Walking Dead series, who've seen fear and world beyond and all that. Apparently. They're they're weaving a meta narrative arc um, and uh, we're going to talk about that. So if you are only a Walking Dead fan and you want to kind of avoid spoilers for I don't know how this might tie back in and how the Daryl and Carol spinoff might go and how the Rick Grimes movies might go, you can bail at that point. But I'll I'll let you know before we consider that. Um, So, yeah, that's uh, that's the provisos and quid pro quos for this episode. Send feedback to watching dead at baldmove.com. That's how you get onto the show to be read. And here we go. Brian from Maryland says, I was thinking about a solution to the zombie problem facing Alexandria. 
What a group really needs is a group of people who have a unique skill of being able to herd zombies and lead them away from Alexandria. Also be nice if there were a person who you now trust that might be able to lead such a skilled group. I know this is a far-fetched idea and it might be hard to find such skilled people that you can now use, but it's just a thought. Obviously, I'm talking about Lydia leading the small broken group of whispers that are left at the hilltop and are desperate to survive. After all, they've already taken in saviors, which the show completely seems to forget, and they're now good, solid citizens of Alexandria. I wish the show was smarter in its writing, but then it would be a different show. Um, It's wild, too, because they figured out how the Alexander group could use the whispers method for warfare, but like Lydia is manning the defense of the walls of Alexandria and the idea of like, just put on a mask and lead him away. Yeah, it, it feels like they've overlooked a lot of things. Uh, they're pretty obvious solutions to their uh, reasonable like problems, but yeah, I maybe they just didn't want to mirror both halves of this uh, this season. Like, hey, we've got people out on the road hurting walkers. We don't want to also be hurting walkers, but it's so effective. It's like, yeah, it, it, you're right. They, you're absolutely right. They should be doing that. They could be doing that, and they're not. They could have put Lydia on the away team and that would have neatly dodged that yes. problem. Yes. You know, her and Negan, you know, they, she could have been the bridge between Maggie and Negan, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I wonder why they didn't do that. They didn't think of it. I, 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 why didn't they do the Oceanside stuff? There's something mm. happening in the writer's room that's just like, well, they either are going for a very specific thing and they have thought of these other options and said, well... Yes, that makes sense, but I want to, like, we want to do this other thing. Hmm. Or they just simply haven't thought about it enough because, yeah, they're, they're overlooking a lot of things. But also, I don't want to give them, like, blast them too much because this is the internet, after all. The hive mind thinks of all. So, you know, five people or whatever the writing team is here uh, in a room are maybe not going to come up with all of the answers that the entire internet would. Yeah, I, I I keep going back and forth in my mind between those bonus episodes because like the bonus episodes in retrospect did some heavy lifting like, boy, this Daryl and uh, Ra- uh, Reaper's arc would not work nearly as well had they not introduced Leah, you know, and given mm-hmm. that a care like like if they just just completely deployed this whole cloth. Oh, then it'd be um, just a just another set of bad guys, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like I feel like that but that that some of that stuff works better and in, in high and I even I we even talked about that as this happened. It's like even though these shows kind of suck, you will remember the basic facts of them and they will be able to to build bridges onto that stuff. So maybe they were able to like, you know, boost up and get get more of the plot, you know, into this this final season. But I also wonder if like maybe some of those ideas were a little half baked. And then since they did like mini sods kind of buttressing them, uh, they're like committed to it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of feel like they have to go down some of these. So I feel like there's a little bit of like push and pull with these ideas. Um, like, you know, that, and, and that's and and and, and uh, Lydia forgetting that she can herd walkers is kind of like one of the casualties of that. Instead of like breaking the whole season, they came in with the season kind of halfway, one quarter broke, and that shit was like set in stone. You know, you can't reverse it. So, yeah, 
Yeah, it could be. Maybe those things would have worked their way out in the writing room wash, but we'll never know. Uh, Michael's up next. It says, during your discussion of episode uh, season 11, episode 6, you were discussing why Frost just didn't make something up. Doesn't seem like much of a plan that he reveals Maggie's real location when he could have just lied. I needed to write in because I think you missed a subtle exchange between Daryl and Frost in which Mm -hmm. they agreed to a plan. Let's first review the first the two most obvious choices and why both of those options are bad. If Frost reveals Maggie's real location, Maggie and her group get ambushed by the Reapers and they all die. If Frost Unless lies Daryl's out there shaking power lines, you never know. He's, he's yeah, yeah shake, shaking all the lines. Right. Uh, if Frost lies and comes up with a bogus location, the Reapers quickly find out he lied and the torture intensifies until he does reveal the truth. So Daryl comes up with a third option. After getting the knife, he puts his face close to Frost's face and looks him in the eyes and says, shut up and listen to me. Oh, I should be doing my Daryl. Yeah. I know you're, you're you're close to her, the leader. Now, see, I've lost it. I lost it. It's gone. Close enough. No, 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 it hadn't. Uh, no, see, I, I thought it, it, see, this is what happens it's when I try British to force Darryl. it. That's Daryl after a it, two week vacation to London. <laughs> that's 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 like a Pope, a Pope faux British uh, Daryl. The, yeah. the, the Irish is there. The English is coming out. Terrible job. See, I, I have to let the Daryl just channel through me. I can't actively try to conjure it. Uh. Anyway, close enough, he says, close enough to know where they're hiding. Mm-hmm. I emphasize close enough for clarity because the way Daryl says it and the way he looks at Frost at that moment, I'm 99% sure he's telegraphing to Frost. He should give up the location. It's close enough to Maggie's real location, which is why he spills the beans, which, except for he says Maggie's in the, the wrong house. That gives Daryl a chance to warn Maggie who's hiding in a house nearby. Yeah. I think this is a 100% right take. I will say that I think the show worked against itself because when we go back to the base, Pope has fucking killed Frost. So yeah. the utility of being able to re-torture and intensify the torture is gone. Although, I don't know, like I don't, you get diminishing returns on this shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, no guarantee even if he intensified that he would get any information out of him, sure. Right, right. Um, so... I I don't know. I I will say the show has certainly worked against itself, not just in this episode, but in all of its entire history, because (laughs) Daryl's down here leaning in my ear, telling me, watch this show close enough, close enough to to get the gist because they ain't doing nothing Uh subtle. Right. Like, (laughs) right. That's the thing. The show doesn't typically go this subtle with things like using specific coded language and paying attention to people's like nuanced expressions and stuff. It's more just like stealth walkers and shit like that. So when, yeah. when they do something like that, it's kind of out of left field and it doesn't hit with me. Yeah. It's like, you know, like you compare it to our, our coverage of this show to something like the Ma- mad men where we're like breaking down right. every tilt of the jaw and, cock of the eyebrow and subtle inflection of phrase and books on shelves and stuff because by and large it paid off it, mm-hmm. it, it like told us something about and, and gave us more information even if it wasn't like necessarily like some of that Dante's circle of hell stuff didn't pan out literally but thematically it did yeah, Walking yeah. Dead like we kind of used to do that and so often it would just lead to us being disappointed by the show not being as cool as the thing we built up in our mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and so th- this but, is not the show's fault. The can- like, yeah, I want them yeah, to yeah, do yeah. more of that stuff. It's good. It's just, I'm not trained to watch that show this way. So, 
Yeah, yeah, the Kang era, and it's not like the Kang era does this consistently, or um, but it's a clear improvement over the Gimple era. Oh yeah, so oh, yeah, like it's and 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 I've started noticing a couple times where it's like, oh, I actually can kind of indulge in a little bit more analysis, and it's probably going to pay off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like all that stuff I thought they did with like uh the way Alpha, con- you know, controlled li- her child Lydia and the cult. Uh, like all that stuff felt very deliberate and well constructed, and it paid off. I think that analysis paid off. So yeah, we we're just a little a little dismissive of the. Plus, like I said, <laughs> if you you said the two most likely options, but the show xed out this the the one likely option. That would make your thing a, a, a the necessary strategy. So it's like, well, why did why did they do that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Trevor says, was it just me, or was the show implying that Hornsby took Zeke to go see Tommy, Yumiko's brother? Princess asks him to let Zeke see the doctor, and at the same time, Tommy is mysteriously taken. Then Zeke comes back without a care in the world. Maybe he got some kind of black market diagnosis of a benign tumor. Perhaps they even removed it. I couldn't really get a good feel for if this happened over minutes, hours, or days, so who knows what could have really happened. It's also an interesting dynamic if Hornsby knows that Tommy is hiding his past and he's also keeping it from the Commonwealth leadership. Blackmailing him with uh, that info, yeah. Yeah, you were vigorously nodding through a lot of this feedback. You're, it sounds kind of cool. I, I mean, I, I'm not certain that's what happened. Um, I'll have to wait until next episode to find out, but uh, yeah, that could be cool. Yeah, a later f- piece of feedback, someone suggests the idea that uh, maybe the beans have already been spilled on Tommy and that uh, uh, because, because she's made some references to her brother, who's a surgeon that lives here. So, like, if they're paying attention and putting two to two together and cross matching, they'll probably figure out that Tommy has been lying or sandbagging about his true skill set. Mm-hmm. So it's probably some kind of crime in this society. Is it, well, he Almost certainly he uses a, a scalpel to cut all of his cakes. So like he's kind of given up mm. the game there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's come no. on, come on, Tommy. Learn <laughs> learn how to learn how to work, kid. Right. Uh, but I do. Yeah, it's now. I don't know about. I don't know about Zeke, like getting his tumor removed and all that kind of stuff. That seemed like that kind of major surgery. Like, I think he would say something too. you know, he wouldn't just be coming in with morphine lollipops and whatnot. Yeah. He would be like, you know, and look, they removed this giant softball shaped thing from my neck. Um, But it would be interesting. If they leaned on Tommy to like not really make Zeke better. Just, hey, give him some morphine lollipops, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah. Give him a placebo and let him die. Yeah, thinking oh, he's cured. Oh no, morphine, morphine lollipops are not a placebo, my oh, friend. They'll make you feel better. They won't do anything. They won't make to your can- help They won't you. make your cancer go away, but they will legitimately uh, affect your body and make you feel good. That's true. So I wonder if they're doing like he's kind of like uh, Walter White now. Oh, you can. You're a surgeon. You know, you can prescribe drugs. Although, yeah, what does drug control look like in this society? There's like, like, like. They they get the they got like uh, CVSs and Walgreens in the Commonwealth, and the drugs are all locked mm. in a time lock safe. Or are they more like the Wild West, where you can just go to the pharmacy and get cocaine? I doubt that you could get much cocaine, if any. Hmm. It does seem like that kind of society, doesn't it? Yeah, like the cocaine is 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 meted out. Uh, when it, as needed and it's not like uh yeah you're not walking up and just saying hey one cocaine please 
when that Sebastian bastard needs a party, then then it's dispensed. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. Uh, Tasha B says, hey, guys. Just wanted to mention a few fun things about The Walking Dead that I haven't heard mentioned yet in any of your feedbacks. I know you guys don't watch The Talking Dead on AMC, but often the cast members have some interesting stories uh, or inside info to share. They do. This is true. I've often thought like if uh, uh, I get another hour in my week, I might start watching it because they they, they just want to run right into it. After I get done watching the episode and the Kang hour, it just runs right into The Talking Dead episode. And I was like, I should watch some of these anyway. Uh, Tasha's here to hold her hand says, uh, for example, in the episode where Judith confronts the teens that were picking off, uh, picking on that kid zombie through the fence, the kid that played the zombie is actually Jeffrey Dean Morgan's real life son, Gus. Nice. His wife, Hillary was on the talking dead and she was talking about how awesome of an experience that was for the whole family. When I first read this email, I misunderstood and I thought it was the actual bully. Oh, it's played by Jeff. And I'm like, oh, my God, what multiple yeah. generations of asshole actors. <laughs> what can you imagine? Can you imagine that? That seed is strong, man. Like, as I totally belo- believe this kid's a fucking asshole psychopath. <laughs> uh, is it Gus Dean Morgan or is Jeffrey Dean Morgan's last name just Morgan and his middle? Uh, he goes by his middle name, too. I think he goes by the middle name. OK, it's uh, Gusry Dean Morgan. Is the Gussery? kid's full name? <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey and Guthrie. Uh, Gus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just, I was just, uh, just try to continue the joke, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, I just thought Gus Dean Morgan is a bad name, mm. but Gus Morgan is a good name. Gus Morgan. It's a name that just marches in town, demands respect, or it'll clobber you upside the head with a baseball bat. Another interesting tidbit, Lauren Ridloff, who plays Connie, was on the show last week and talked about her emotional scene where her and her sister Kelly are finally reunited. Lauren said that she had asked Angela Kang if it would be possible to keep her and Angel Theory apart so they wouldn't see each other until they shot that scene. And so they Basically, fired she said, Connie for six weeks and said, you're not getting paid. I was just thinking it'd be funny if like Kang didn't mention this to Angel Theory. It's just like they were always kept away. It's like, oh, man, Lauren's back. I can talk that uh, I'm so Miss Lauren. Uh, she, she's coming. <laughs> oh, no. She's now she's got Marvel money now and uh, she doesn't want to. She says no eye contact with the other. Like what? How did they keep or did they bring them the <laughs> They, they both get on the same page about that. I because, assume, yeah. Yeah, I would think so. The other is like just being cruel to an actor, mm-hmm. but I've also read enough fucked up shit the directors have done to actors to kind of like, eh, yeah. Eh. Uh, it's not unheard of. Anyway, returning to Tasha. So basically, she said that all that emotion on screen is real because they're finally being reunited in real life for the first time in a really long time. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, lastly, just finished reading your coverage of episode seven or listening to rather your coverage of episode seven. And you guys are speculating where the professor is and wondering or joking if he's out shooting some other show, get the right idea, but the wrong franchise. It's not Marvel. Dan Fogler or Fogler is one of the leads in the fantastic beast saga. That's true. Okay. He's the muggle second banana of the main guy. Hmm. Uh, not nearly as big as a Fantastic Beast fan as I was the Harry Potter franchise. Uh, I'm assuming his absence from The Walking Dead is because he was shooting the third movie. Probably true. Yeah, this is probably true. Makes sense. He's got a taste of that rowling dough. How and, and but yeah, he's, he's still rowling came to the in the dead. dough. Hmm. Rowling in hmm. money. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's before we take on the next email, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. 
Here's what's new and premium content for our club members. No lunch this week, as I'll be traveling on vacation, but get ready for next week when we have the rare, elusive, dare I say premium lunch with Talitha and Aaron. And while you're waiting for the return of the king, don't forget May is the time to switch your Patreon tiers to make sure you maintain your full benefits by June. Stop by support.ballmove.com to check your Patreon levels to see the new benefits and decide which one is right for you. And finally, tickets are now on sale for Badass Fest 6. Come meet us live and in person, watch a mystery badass film with us, and then hear us record the podcast right there in front of you in a theater packed with Bald Move fans. Get your details and your tickets at baldmove.com slash live. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com right now to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content plus ad-free feeds. All right, we're back, and we're back with Seawells, our embedded DC journalist. Says, remember when I told you I can't buy the Mandarin off Iron Man 3 being a badass? Uh, I think this is... uh... It's funny, because Cecily was walking through the living room the other day while I was watching this, and she goes, is that Bing Kingsley? (laughs) I'm like, no, but it's it's definitely, definitely there. Uh, How is it possible to change my mind when he isn't rolling up in a knit cap? I have zero idea what this is, but I take him less serious now. Mm-hmm. Have you so? I, this guy's roll, wearing like a rolled up wool beanie, mm-hmm. but it has a back strap to adjust it to his head. I this is custom. I don't understand. This is custom, man. But like beanies already fit your head because they're elastic, not tight enough. Like not. Tight I have enough. one of the world's largest heads. This is not a joke or an exaggeration. I had to custom order a motorcycle helmet for XL <laughs> right from the showy factory. I'm not joking. I'd, I'd stamped right on the side of his fucking helmet for XL. I have like an eight inch head. If you know what the hats, that's huge. I don't, I don't wear beanies with a, with a snapback, man. Like <laughs> I just rolled over my head. It's like a condom. Well, that's why you don't have to, because your head's huge. It grips. It, it's yeah. It, people with smaller heads, they need a back strap on the beanie. So you think this beanie is just like going to flop off his head because he's a pinhead? Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. he's got a size two head and and <laughs> yeah, two inch circumference head. And if he doesn't have the back strap, I, I think he modified this himself, though. I think the the real takeaway here is this is a hat he's been working on for a long time. And it means a lot to him. And I think if Daryl could get that hat, he'd kind of lose his power. Right? Really? He that that's yeah. uh he would be the new Pope. I think so. Well, Popes love their fancy hats, don't they? They you love know, them. part of the part of the whole gig. Uh I watched enough Jude Law prancing around to know that they're just big fans of the fancy hats. And uh Yeah, I <laughs> it's 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 puzzling. I, I don't I don't get it, C Wells. Um so and and obviously, if this guy's a, a pinhead, I don't know that he's again, I'm not saying people with uh, a two inch circumference head can't live some kind of full meaningly meaningful <laughs> life, but they might not be strategic geniuses. Sure. Uh, you got the walnut brain. Maybe you're not. See, well, I, I think I think you might be right to be skeptical of his leadership. We'll see how this goes. We'll see. If, oh, we'll see if this this pinhead situation continues into the second half. The second third of the season. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Nathan, Nathan E says, uh, Aaron and I had a similar thought this week. Oh, it seems as though the Commonwealth has been Prince 
uh, has a Prince Joffrey at the top. With that in mind, what's your reading on Hornsby? Does he seem manipulative like Littlefinger, or could he be more of a Marjorie-type person? Possibly a genuinely nice fellow who just happens to engage with the shadier people in the lion's den secure his own prosperity. Interesting, because you're right. You know, a lot of people wrote off Marjorie as like a power-hungry kind of, you know, grubber. Uh, just cared about, but like it does seem like she wanted to use her power to, if if if, if for entirely self interested reasons, help the people, you mm-hmm. know, to keep them from like turning on you and killing killing you all. Yeah. Um, some lessons to be learned about that for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you think uh, is I think horns I think Hornsby's like Littlefinger and Joffrey rolled up into one. He just 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 yeah. Uh, Oh, uh, oh, I guess we're talking about Sebastian. Sebastian is the Joffrey. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hornsby character, I think, is definitely a slimy, like, little finger guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't see him as virtuous. No. No. I. I mm-hmm. No. I, I don't know why he would need to be in a society. Like, what? what is... I don't know. We haven't seen Pamela Milton yet, right? If Pamela Milton is, like, an awful dictator and he's, like, working against her then he might be by default uh a little more virtuous but we'll see hmm. yeah we'll have to see if he throws uh milton out the moon door if so little yeah. finger confirmed yeah yeah uh i also have a thought about why Yumiko, uh, yumiko's brother has been taken away when the group was interrogated with a million questions before being able to enter the commonwealth yumiko said she believed her brother was already living there and identified him as a surgeon makes me wonder if they're going to punish him for putting up the cake maker facade so this is the one i was referring to that someone is pointing out the fact that like she's already kind of and the more i've thought about this like i think there's almost a zero chance that this isn't part of what's happened because mm-hmm. there's no fucking way as careful as these people scrutinize the bowel movements and all that stuff. Yeah. There's no way that they didn't make this connection and, and uh, find all this stuff out. I think. Yeah. And also when he's rolling the dough, he turns to his assistant, he puts his hands out and he says gloves. So <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> it's a little strange. I need 50 cc's of condensed milk stat. <laughs> right. Yeah, stuff like that. Stuff like that when he's injecting the the moistness into the cake. It just just gives him a lie. Nicole's up next. She says, at the beginning of the season, I was all in on the Commonwealth plotline and totally disconnected from Maggie's suicide mission. Now heading into the season's breaking point, I am finding the Commonwealth tedious and I'm anxious to to be getting back to Negan and Maggie. The fact that they finally have a plan and more importantly, a strategy, along with Maggie finally getting called out for her bloody hands and the slaughter of the sleeping saviors, Really had me sitting up in my seat. My prediction is Negan will end up sacrificing himself to save Maggie as she stabs him in the head. To prevent him from turning, she will say that they are even now or some shitty soap opera dialogue like that. <laughs> then Maggie will return to the church to find a note that says, went to the ocean side for food and supplies. Meet me there. Love, Boston Rob. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I did really like the Negan-Maggie dynamic. Like I said, I think they took a long, unnecessary road to get here, but they are exactly where, if they did my plan, they would be. So I'm, I'm digging it, and I, I, I like those uh, morality plays myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think Negan's here for the long haul. Yeah, you don't think he's going to 
You think I'll end up dead by the end of the show? I think it's probably 50-50, but it's going to be the very end because he's a very popular character. There's not a lot of like characters with history and ties. And this thing with Maggie is, you know, it's it's uh, it'd be a lot of fun to write, you know, Um, and it's a natural kind of antagonism and and them like getting over their beef says something big like overall in the series or them like not being able to get over and like Alexander broadly prevailing but Maggie giving in to her wrath you know that would say something interesting you know like there's like uh, depending what kind of bow they want to put on this 11 season sprawling project I don't know yeah I feel like there's a good chance that either yeah Maggie gets you know some kind of half not revenge uh, on Negan at the end of his life or Negan goes out with some kind of noble sacrifice, right? Like, Oh, he saves Herschel or something. Herschel jr. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I don't know. And the, the Boston Rob thing, it's a joke. There's no possible way they can conclude his storyline. That's not going to be funny. If he comes back yeah. and he's just like, what took you so long? And he's just chilling out there. Fine. Mm-hmm. That's going to be hilarious. If he's turned into a zombie, that's going to be hilarious. <laughs> if he's just missing and taken by some hostile faction, that's going to be hilarious. Just the fact that, <laughs> you know, Maggie wanted to collect everybody all together, leave no man behind and fucking Boston Rob. Just you got a your bum ankle. Well, here's a granola bar and have a bottle of water. <laughs> Dick face. <laughs> <laughs> my hope is that he's gotten pregnant and that uh they'll come back and they'll have to cut the baby out of him that's mm. that's, that's my hope so that it won't be, be hilarious. hilarious that would be <laughs> no it wouldn't be i just remember the fiesta we had that uh when Lori died and boy mm. that was a, a moment of conflict for us Gosh, there was a there's a discussion on the official or not the official, the R slash the Walking Dead subreddit where who's the worst break or who's the worst Walking Dead character of all time. And it was Lori versus I don't know, it was one of the 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 women from the 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 current season, I think. Hmm. And I just kept on thinking like, man, there's only one character that like we had a fiesta for when they died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and like the whole community went along with it. Like mm-hmm. there's not there's like essentially no. I mean, I know at the time, like Gimple wrote a really sad script and we felt a little <laughs> right. a little bad. That was the thing. But yeah. Nah, nah. yeah, we still went through with it. And we I did. don't you know, no one hated us for it. So like, yeah, Lori, Lori's the worst. She's written to be terrible. Uh, Nicole continues, as for the Commonwealth, at least two of the four characters we care about are too smart for this place, especially Yumiko. She should realize this world does not make sense. You can't bake cakes without someone else doing the hard work to produce sugar, flour, and cream. There's already a caste system in place. Isn't there an obvious conclusion to make about what happens to those that get reprocessed? Hmm. I think you're supposed to buy that our band of idiots hasn't quite figured out the caste system yet. I think they are on the cusp, but I don't think they really are putting two to two, like about the picnickers and this middle-class baker life and the fucking Morlocks that are down grounding flour and, you know, beating sugar cane to granulated sugar. I I don't think they've quite connected all those dots for our, our group yet, but I, yeah, I'm on Team Yumiko should be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what a smart. I don't know what you do when you find yourself in this situation. I just feel like, 
her credulity is a little bit much. Some of the things she's saying in that scene where she's talking with the dude, I don't even know his name, the dude in the conference room, make me think that she has caught on to this. And it's just like, what's she going to do? Like, jump up on the table and start screaming, this is a classist b- bullshit yeah. t- regime. Uh, I'm bringing it all down from so the inside. Soil and green is made out of people. It is. Yeah. What do you do? Right. What do you do? Um, she's the one that I think has definitely caught on. Uh, the others. Is this just a case of like, they don't have all of the information that we have as an uh, audience. It's well, like, you make oh, a good some point. of them have parts of the information and some of them don't. Yeah. And, and and you make a good point. Like their mission is to get help for their friends, not to like be pariahs or lead a revolution. Uh, yeah. So like, even if they see the jig and it being relatively up, like what is their highest percentage of achieving their mission? You know, I, I, that, that makes sure. a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move on to Christopher. I think uh, Hornsby orchestrated the Walker attack on Milton's son and his girlfriend so that Eugene could be the savior. Fake Stephanie was in on it. That's why she was tugging on Eugene's arm so that Eugene could get the glory shot and be the hero. Uh, Hornsby told Stephanie Eugene to go up to work the hill and then he took on the Red Guard away so that Milton's son would be unguarded and needed Eugene to save him and his girlfriend. Of course, it went all awry. I think, yeah, that's a plain reading of the scene. Uh, but when you say it went awry... Do you think, do you think, Jim, because because Christopher can't respond. Uh, Do you Mm -hmm. think, Jim, that Hornsby intended the son to be grateful? Because to me, that betrays a a, like. A severe lack of knowledge of how the Sebastian asshole rolls. Yeah, it's like asking Joffrey to be grateful for anything. Yeah, like he's not going to be like, oh, my God, thank you for saving my royal personage. It just be Mm -hmm. like, where the fuck was the hound? Where was my Kingsguard? You people are all shit. You embarrassed yeah. me. Exactly what we got. So like either Hornsby doesn't know how to like steer around one of the biggest political, probably obstacles, pit traps in this city, or he knew and he's actually trying to set Eugene up while looking like he was trying to set Eugene up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sure. So that's, that's, I think the, the, the five head take on this. Um, if so I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, if Eugene, if he wants to get information from Eugene, what does setting him up as the hero accomplish? Oh, that's what he I'm would saying. Need him less, like, right? Right. Like Eugene. Like if this guy is like personally thankful to Eugene, like what if he supplants uh, the 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 Red Stormtrooper? I forget Mercer. You know, swap him out for Eugene. More important for for horns, but yeah, I'm just saying, like you know, like I, I, there's no percentage <laughs> in actually having this guy being. Hey, the suit's to not going to fit him. The suit's not going to. That's going to be my. It's going. They're going to need a backstrap for that suit. Is what I'm Fetch saying. Fetch the breastplate stretcher. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 yeah, but you're right. The the way you read it, I think, is the way is is intended, and I kind of just totally missed that. There's another consequence of me, like half analyzing this episode like Mm -hmm. watching it but then not like really thinking about it and yeah i totally missed that that this was this was Uh, intentional somehow post postscript this says, i love your podcast who led you to come back actually prefer your tone since the comeback you used to be purely negative about absolutely (laughs) everything but now you've given the show half a chance 
Well, the show used uh, to suck twice as much. Yeah, I will say that like the the sucking, getting a little bit of time and distance away, mm-hmm. uh, it helped. helped. You know, it helped a lot to kind of cool down the temperature. And genuinely, I think the Angela Kang era, this seems to be conventional wisdom amongst the fan groups too. Is it's just better. Yes, it's like. Uh, there was also a thread in the r slash walking dead about the best showrunner and like it was a toss up between Darabont okay. and Kang. And then you had various acolytes, you know, you had, you had the Mazera and G- and Gimples fighting for scraps at the end. But um, I think the easy I, answer I, on that is Darabont because he got to build yes. all of this stuff and take it very much in a direction that he wanted. But Kang is saddled with all of this history. Um, yeah, my so my ultimate preference would be that Darabont was allowed to make a tight six or seven yeah. season show and see what he actually did with a, with, a, with a truly prestige version of The Walking Dead. Barring that, I would have loved for him to bow out, you know, like the end of season two and hand over to someone like uh, Kang, mm-hmm. uh, who I don't know. And maybe because that's the, the other thing they they made a good point is like Gimple's first couple seasons were seen as pretty damn good. Like that's still like, you know, season uh, four, five, six by many are seen as like peak Walking Dead. Um, and I think okay. for a certain type of Walking Dead fan, yeah. that was pretty, pretty true. Sure. Because uh, there was some like fucking baller scenes and plot lines out of that. But uh, I like uh, yeah. then we got Commando seven, eight, Carol. So. so. Mando Carroll was great. Carol. Uh, throat ripping Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. The, the, um, the, there was some, there was, there, there was some good, there was some decent stuff. Decent stuff. Um, moving on to Josh. Said a couple of observations I'd like to hear your thoughts on. From a couple episodes ago, did anyone catch in Alexandria that the bracing on the cold rolled steel walls is now anchored from the ground inside the walls to the top of the walls? Bullshit. Bullshit. They had an example to get the blacksmith on the phone. At least he can (laughs) copy shit. Come on. I still worked in engineering when Alexander was first shown on the screen with the bracing being anchored from the top of the walls to the ground on the outside of the walls. Mm Uh, though strength wise with the length of those braces probably better to anchor them outside so the pressure on the wall from the outside put the braces in tension Uh, any conscientious person could or any conscious person could undo them toppling the walls a little effort we talked I mean this is like one of the big debates of the day you know like did Reg know what he's doing you know he (laughs) built it for zombies not for people etc etc maybe the show reflects the real danger is the zombies no longer, but instead thinking humans or perhaps equally probable the show was and is up its own ass stumbling to find its way and went with whatever is easiest. (laughs) Uh, I want to say that this show is smart enough to reverse the braces to reflect the reality of, you know, determined attackers from outside being your primary threat in this apocalypse. Uh, so let's go with that, shall we? <laughs> I think the truth is, it's just safer, right? Like if if they have to go outside the walls to brace the walls, they're going to be exposed yeah. and they don't it's have bad, the manpower right now. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it could get dangerous. So they just went with the easy option, which is maybe not as strong. But look, there aren't as many walkers, right? Speaking of being up its own ass regarding Pamela Milton, does anyone else feel a giant what the fuck? Uh, plot coming or is it just me bear with me here presumably we're being led to believe that p milt is the lead bureaucrat in charge of the commonwealth and it's basically a bureaucracy is this type of organization even possible in a survival type scenario when death is literally outside the gate 
Say what you will about the sustainability of other regimes that we've seen, uh, cults, cannibals, badasses, etc. Every leader has had exactly one thing in common. They're all stone cold killers doing what they had to do to keep their people safe and inspired and in line. At least for now, Patty Miltz is being depicted as starch around the collar and clean under her nails, no dirt on those hands. A leader in times of war that's unwilling to fight? How has she inspired anyone to follow her when she can't inspire a doctor to not bake cakes for the greater good? Let's say she only has to inspire the guys with guns and that they are just another goon squad. Then is the goon squad so apathetic that they will tolerate the nepotism and corruption of the system in times of survival when they are the ones with the guns? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know what to think about this because I live in a country that's bordered to the south by another country where journalists are routinely hung from bridges by uh, former special forces soldiers that have turned into drug dealers uh, and they kill cops with impunity to serve our appetite and we just kind of go about our business. Like, you know, like there is a real life and death struggle there and that we are insulated from because of our sometimes literal walls and our, and our, our being privileged to be born in, in a, a, a country with the low corruption. And, you know, so I'm saying like, so if they have 50,000 people and let's say five to a thousand of those are living the laps of luxury and they're the ones calling all the shots and paying all the bills and all this stuff, it doesn't surprise me that everyone kind of like, you know, is insulated by the, the social strata the, that's below them. And only the real desperate people are the ones that are on the bubble that are threatened to be kicked out mm. if they don't do their menial job and if they don't, you know, suck enough Milton Dick and all that kind of stuff. Right. So yeah. it feels realistic to me because, uh, again, this is not Alexander. This is Alexandria 50 to 100 times larger. Um, so those like just being like the house out next to the walls, that's not a lot of it. That's not a, the experience most people have. Doesn't seem like. Yeah, it reflects more of uh, a society like we would think of that we currently have versus what you would think of in a zombie apocalypse. I, I think th- this is not a place where everybody knows everybody else, right? Like the, the people, like, like you're saying, there are probably people in the middle class, the, the bakers and, and whatnot um, that just don't even know. Like they're, they, they don't know somebody who is, like you said, on the bubble because um, right. they just don't interact with those people, you know? And then the and lawyers do- and like the, the, Doctors, they probably don't interact with those people other than to treat them or or advise them. So like. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it uh, and, and, and like you said, if those middle class people like the bakers did know someone that's on the bubble, they're probably terrified to be there with them like and they don't want to yeah. associate with them and they'll do whatever it takes to make sure that they are not in that bubble class. So. And I'm I waiting they're, to they're, pass judgment on Pamela herself, whether she's an inspiring leader or not until yeah. I see her and, and understand who she is and her personality. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, maybe she can inspire people. Maybe she just doesn't need to inspire certain people. Right. I don't know. Like people might with my, you know, I was drawing a comparison to like, you know, central and South America and the United States. Like they may be like, Oh, well that's like different. You got such a huge border and there's big differences, but like, 
Yeah, but we got the internet and we got cameras and we see this that we we're not ignorant of what's happening down there. It's just, you know, it's we don't think it can possibly affect us, so we care about it less, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think the same could be said for the people living in the Commonwealth. And then they might be going in a different direction, but it feels like that's what they're really trying to like, you know, what systems of control can you put in place over people to where it kind of perpetuates itself? And uh you know what you know how how does that that look like and and do the people that are under that system control feel controlled mm-hmm. yeah. you know does it feel like being a surgeon or a lawyer or a diplomat in a society does it feel like you're part of an interlocking system of i mean for you know for oh, what's his name tommy yumiko's brother it probably feels like the opposite right it feels like freedom right. to him yeah he doesn't have to be in that press so I, I think this is a thing where the show is actually intentionally exploring these issues and doing a pretty good job of it. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, everybody is like whether you think it's ridiculous or not, I guess is is uh, entirely subjective. Sure. Uh, let's take another quick break and then we'll get back to uh, the final few emails. All right, we're back. Daniel from Seattle says, do all the naysayers that say The Walking Dead does not pay attention to detail? I would like to draw your attention to the scene where Gabriel looks through a pair of binoculars and only shows one circle when it shows his viewpoint. Move over, Wes Anderson. There's a new detailed director in town. His name is whoever directed this episode. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's funny, but it's true. Yeah. How everyone's looked through binoculars right mm-hmm. and has seen that you do not have the experience of looking through two binocular shaped holes it's just one kind of you know like everyone has that fucking experience and yet we're still in 2021 usually visualizing people looking through binoculars as <laughs> this cartoon idea of what it's really like it's so weird yeah it's like if we pretended that like in in television, everyone just went along with the concept that like uh, tea tasted like maple syrup. Everyone's <laughs> tasted tea and everyone's tasted maple sure. syrup, and we know that's not true. But they're just going to there's just going to be this fiction, you know. It's like one thing with like silence in space and silenced gunfire and shit like that. Right, where like right. not everyone has a lot of experience, but God damn, has not everyone looked through binoculars? And also there's no artistic interpretation here, right? It's not like <laughs> yeah. they did it for the art, the double binocular thing. No, come on. No. And the more I think about it, it's, it's, it's the Looney Tunes version of what it is. It's like, yeah, it's like the Bugs Bunny, like running through a wall and he makes a perfect Bugs Bunny cut out yeah like it's that kind of logic like what the fuck so that's why i like never the, punched a hole through something the the sci-fi high-tech binoculars where it's just a screen that you're looking at like yeah. star wars right you yeah you mm-hmm. get a hud you get all sorts of things on those binoculars sure. sure who knows like that's the thing when we get the it'd be funny if star wars hud type binoculars actually put in the the double the the double circle filter in just as just because people won't buy it otherwise you know right right this is not what binoculars look like okay so here's the point that i promised you guys we get to where we have a little bit again i'm not going to say they're spoilers what they are is information from the other series uh passed on by a, a uber fan and where they think that this stuff might be going towards an end game so, like, again, it's all publicly released information, but if you're like me and Jim and you're not watching Fear and you're not watching World Beyond, maybe these could be considered spoilers. I will say that, like, in the break between uh, Season 11A and Season 11B, 
I'm going to seek out some of these uh, people have been sending me in the last few weeks some some uh, channels who do like a 30, 40 minute breakdown of like everything that went on in the world beyond or everything that you need to know about Fear of the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to watch. I, I am not going to watch however many seasons of Fear and World Beyond there are right now. I just I just don't have time. I'm not going to lie to you people and say, oh, yeah, I'll watch. But I do have time to watch an hour or two of YouTube stuff. And because I think. I don't know. I feel like I might as well get plugged into like what the other stuff's doing so I can play along with some of the speculation too. Sure. All right. Everyone has been properly warned again. If you're, if you're, if you don't want to be spoiled on stuff that also is airing on AMC, uh, turn off now and watching dead at baldmove.com is where you get your feedback. Uh, you can watch us record the show live every Wednesday at 1 PM Eastern, uh, every Wednesday at twitch.tv slash bald move. And don't forget to look for our podcast dropping at the same time. The episode does this Sunday at 9 PM uh, Eastern time. And you can watch, you can listen to that on our podcast or check it out on our YouTube, youtube.com slash bald move. All right, here we go. Christos. The Greek is the Uber fan sent it into watching dead at baldmove.com. So based on your most recent feedback emails, you gentlemen need the assistance of a diehard The Walking Dead fanatic to get you up to speed with a few things, including what the CRM actually is. The CRM are the helicopter people, as you call them, the Mm. ones that took Rick away. It's the season nine finale, better known as the Civic Republic military. Not customer relationship manager. No, it's not uh, Mm. sales. What is it? Salesforce? What's the... Oh, I think that was a, to know. I think that was a target thing. I can't remember. Mm. I worked retail a long time ago. So the CRM, the Civic Republic Military, is what ties the Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, and the world, the Walking Dead world beyond, and subsequently is what the Rick Grimes movies will be about. The Civic Republic Military is the main antagonistic group of the entire The Walking Dead universe of shows. They're most powerful members of the Alliance of Three, a network of three advanced communities. In The Walking Dead, you remember Jadis, the garbage woman. It turns out she's a CRM plant on The Walking Dead. God. The Walking Dead World Beyond, the Huck character, who we first think of as one of our protagonists. What's, what's the mi- in- hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's the mission briefing like for Jadis <laughs> at the CRM? All right, Jadis. You, you know those trash <laughs> sculptures that you've been working on in your free time? We're going to need you to become one of those. We're going to need you to be the trash, Jadis. Can you do this for mm-hmm. us? Can we want you, you to be, go and live in this still... junkyard for 12 years in the hopes that someone will stumble by. It's insane. Can you fulfill your destiny to become a garbage person like we know you can be? <laughs> are, you, are you an A or a B, Jadis? I need to know right now. Are you in or you out? Get in the hefty bag, Jadis. Make a dress out of it. Right? Right? They asked this woman to go become a trash person for years on the hopes yeah. that someone would yeah. stumble into it. Like, you know that Zoolander skit where uh, they got di- Diabolique? Uh-huh. Or where like it's it's all trash and homeless chic. That's going to be your new thing. That's going to be what your civilization's founded on. Go out there. Good God. Um. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. So this Huck, this Huck fellow. Uh, we're 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 back with you, Christos. This Huck fellow, who we thought was a main protagonist of the show, turns out at the end of season one, CR implant, and Fear the Walking Dead, which is by the way, parenthetically. In Christos' opinion, the best of the three properties, one of our protagonists, Althea, begins a relationship with the CRM supposed rebel Isabel, 
whom at the end of season six, holy fuck, this show's seasons. Yeah, there's no way I'm watching that much with the Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, at the end of season six, rest, a finale rescues most, if not all, of our Fear of the Walking Dead protagonists from a nuclear missile that was set off in the Gulf region by a sub-villain antagonist named Teddy. Popping off nukes over at Fear of the Walking We're Dead. We're watching the wrong Nuclear show, Aaron. The wrong show. It does appear to be so. Yes, that's right, Christos says. A nuclear warhead was used when one of the sub-antagonists of Season 6. Get it, sub-antagonist? <laughs> mm. uh, I know you guys are infatuated with the idea of a nuclear bomb on a show made from a Russian satellite. Well, look no further. Fear the Walking Dead has this and so much more. Andrew Chambliss is the Kang to Fear the Walking Dead. If you want better quality of Walking Dead, I'm telling you guys, it's Fear the Walking Dead. It ranks clearly superior to The Walking Dead. If I have $3,200 down the road to contribute to podcasting, I will have you gentlemen do a commission series on Fear the Walking Dead's first six seasons. Buddy, mm. I love the enthusiasm. We have to bump that number up like five to ten times. To ca- ca- it's, the commission covers two hours of material. Three, three maybe. Yeah. You know, of a bulk deal, maybe four. That's, that's, that's this numbers, this <laughs> number's going to go way up. Uh, P.S. Dwight, uh, Austin Emilio joined Morgan Lenny James on Fear the Walking Dead. I did know this. Mm. I did know uh, Lenny, Lenny James crossed over. Well, Dwight's uh, anyway, too? I didn't know that. Yeah. So Dwight, uh, his main mission after leaving the Walking Dead was to scour the United States to track down his long lost love, Sherry. Mm. Sherry, we find, leads what's first thought to be an antagonistic group to Fear the Walking Dead in season six. They in turn join forces of the Morgans group. Sherry reveals that she won't rest until she tracks Negan down and punishes him. I'm thinking killing him for the crimes he committed both to the women and to previous deaths he embarked. So we, you know, Sherry's one of Negan's quote unquote wives. They were like essentially sex slaves. Um, She's got a real axe to grind legitimately against this guy. Oh, for sure. The reason I believe Maggie isn't going to be killing Negan is because Sherry's going to be the one to do this when the series recrosses over one last time. Uh, Nah, Circle nah, back. Heath, Heath is coming back. I was about to say. <laughs> if like, they're going to bring back people. I really hope for your little, for your fan heart that all these dreams come true. Yeah. But like, it's entirely possible that not all these showrunners talk to each other and there's making shit up and that there's just not enough time to get all this stuff done. But I don't know. I don't know. They got spinoffs and movies and all this stuff coming as, as Christos is getting to. Uh, circle back to what I strongly believe is uh, happening as all three shows have the connection of the CRM Morgan and strand strand is uh, that uh, uh, shit the guy what's with his the name? Boat. The, yeah, he's the guy at the boat. Uh, he was just in Candyman. Uh, Doming- mm, yeah, Carlos Domingo, something like that. Sounds Domingo. Sounds uh, right. Amazing, amazing guy. And him against uh, Morgan would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were at odds with each other in the season six finale, but they have been building an army up. I think the ultimate purpose of this is to lead their groups back from the West Coast to the East Coast to join forces with Alexander and Hilltop, which in turn will by that time have the support of the Commonwealth. Maybe Uh, Maggie and Daryl and company will need the support of the Commonwealth's 50,000 people in conjunction with Morgan and Dwight Strand's group in conjunction with the huge caravan that we saw Michonne last joining with this is how the walking dead universe will wrap up their properties in the rick grimes movies just a big fucking war all comers against the crm no, i don't know no, why the no, crm no. is evil the walking dead will wrap up all of their properties with zero viewers that's that is what will happen the walking <laughs> dead will never wrap up its properties that's just not a thing yeah, yeah until it yeah, stops until... printing money 
they will uh, not wrap it up. Um, yeah, yeah. They'll invent some like, new uh, big bad. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. But um, okay, all, the p- picture you are painting is very likely. I will say it sounds like they are moving pieces around the board in order to get some conclusion to the Walking Dead that sets up the other properties for maximum potential success. Uh, I think that will be dissatisfying to me as someone who only watches The Walking Dead if they were to end The Walking Dead with some big crossover that, granted, like if, you know, Sherry comes back, that is definitely still a Walking Dead thing. But if they use that to like springboard into the CRM thing and then just end the series, it's going to probably be pretty disappointing to me. Yeah, I I think I can. I think it's possible to do all this stuff and bring this particular series to a satisfying conclusion. Possible. But it's a really high degree of difficulty. Mm -hmm. You know, like we've been talking on our other show about this foundation show about what a high degree of difficulty it is to adapt those books. We're talking that kind of like degree of difficulty because that's that's what was the brilliant thing about the way the Marvel stuff all built up and everyone kind of enjoyed the Avengers is they were very smart about like what was quote unquote required viewing. And also they were very good about like reviewing and refreshing and kind of like, you know, repeating some of those things in the movies that you needed to to enjoy like the big payload stuff. So like. It could be that the Walking Dead's the franchise as a whole has just gotten their shit together because they've had better leadership from the AMC executive side and the AMC studio side. And Mm -hmm. they're like actually a steering committee that's starting to like control the larger narratives so that they're all hitting the milestones because, hey, we got to get these movies. This would be Gimple Um, that you're talking about, by the way. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Really? (laughs) He took over the Walking Dead properties. Yeah. So he is now overall. Um, oh boy! Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, like I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. I'm rooting for you guys, and I hope that we can enjoy, you know, because like I think there's a way that you can condense like a season's worth of information into a few minutes of exposition when characters get together. And that you, you know, Morgan comes back with an army. There's going to be need to be some explanation. Mm-hmm. Like, even if even if uh, the people from World Beyond Fear the Walking Dead are like, we know exactly what's going on. Alexandria's group doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so you'll have to. So, so there's already hooks in there where they could bring us in and bring us up to speed. And like you said, we know Sherry. We know Dwight. Like those mm-hmm. things would be slam dunks. And maybe that's why they smartly kind of like divided up some of the cast so that they would have these connections to come back. So like. I think in concept, it sounds really cool, but like I'm with Jim, I don't want to have to watch 10 other episodes or 10 other seasons of television to properly enjoy. No, I'm now, not going I to. Not, I might not fully enjoy it. Just like the same way. Like I imagine there's people that just watch the Avengers movies that probably had a good time with Endgame, you know, uh, but it probably is something that hits a little bit harder. If you've seen all 22 of the Marvel movies leading up to it. I'm pretty sure I will not get the full fan experience, but like I should be able to enjoy it as a standalone thing. Yeah. I mean, I, (laughs) I don't want Iron Man to fight whiplash for two and a half hours and then have Spider-Man swing in and save the day because they're promoting the new Spider-Man movie. That's right. That's what I'm worried is going to happen here is it's going to be, they're going to sell out the ending of the walking dead in order to push those fans to their other properties. That is, that is the part that I think would be offensive. I, yeah. Having, um, Sherry, having Dwight come back 
could make sense. I just don't want them to do something that doesn't give us a satisfying conclusion to this series in order to push us to the other ones. Have we, because the other thing is like, I don't know how, I don't know how the hell they beat the Commonwealth to tell you the truth. Like we've talked about the difficulty. Like there's, have have we ever seen like uh, the Alexandria group, basically Rick's group. Have we ever seen them like lead a revolution? Like it's always been like, they've had maybe some inside help, but like, that's what they're going to have to do here. Yeah. They're going to have to foment and run a grassroots rebellion against the status quo and the people on top and All overthrow right. them. Yumiko, Hornsby, Tommy, uh, those people maybe come if in. If Hornsby like, is actually on team, like, you know, uh-huh. freedom and not team make money off oppression. Yeah. Uh, but they'll, they'll have to. It seems like they'll have to have a coup, uh, which actually that sounds kind of neat. Like I'm, I'm all yeah. up on military, you know, post-apocalyptic small skirmish victories. Like you know, mm-hmm. you can't hardly do it better than what they've already done. So having a yeah, like a giant, like a giant civic revolt, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, play with the concept of what's a terrorist versus what's a patriot versus what's a freedom fighter. Oh, like they've played with the concept of whether or not to kill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sounds I'm good. Saying, yeah, I guess you know, like Walking Dead's, you know, Walking Dead's going to be doing some real crazy kind of like animal farm shit. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know that they'll completely handle that 100, percent but it's it's a good idea, and I think it's going to be fun to explore in this context. So, mm-hmm. uh, that is it. That is it. That's it for the Walking Dead this week. Again, we've got one more episode, which means we got one more feedback episode. Uh. If you want to join us, uh, we'll have the episode ready for you live as soon as the episode airs on Sunday. It won't be live. It'll be pre-recorded Sunday at around 9 p.m. Eastern on baldmove.com. You can check out our video version on youtube.com slash baldmove. And next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we will be recording this here final mailbag episode for season 11A. Uh, We'll be shutting it down until I assume sometime in February or March when 11B will, will be back and ready to go. Uh, but yeah, make sure you check out the podcast and get in your final feedback by next week. It's been a lot of fun, but uh, all good things got to come to a temporary end before two more times and they're come to an end for real. I remember that's my favorite Star Trek episode, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Until next time, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you Sunday. Sunday.